The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Welcome, everybody. This is Jason Smith of uh, the Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand podcast here at C2P. And today I have an old friend, Gene Roberts. Uh, he's uh, also my coach or what I call a uh, implement or what they call an implementer at EOS and Traction Worldwide. And he's also a buddy of mine, lives directly right next door to me in my lake house in Marblehead. So welcome, Gene. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, you can't get rid of me, right? No matter where you turn, I just seem to be there. So uh, appreciate the opportunity to be here with you. Yeah, and you know, and I'll, I'll give a little bit of background to how, you know, entrenched or, you know, that we've become in EOS. So uh, I've been in strategic coaching a number of years, Gino Wickman, you know, one of the creators of, of EOS is actually in my strategic coach class. Uh, the funny thing is, is like Gino has been in my class for a number of years, but I originally was running on the eMyth platform, uh, Michael Gerber's eMyth. And then after a few years, I switched over after about five years of running on that. I switched over to Patrick Lencioni's table group operating system, very similar to eMyth. And you'll find that, you know, even, even EOS has got a lot of similarities to those. Um, the, in, in some of you might have heard of Vern Harnish and his scale-up program, yeah. you know, Gazelle kind of conference, but he's got something very similar. So these operating systems have a lot in common. Uh, but at the end of the day, my favorite has absolutely been EOS. And so a large part, I think it's because of Eugene and, and being <laughs> our implementer and coaching us on these tools and implementing. Um, I, I do owe so much to you and in, in the, the help that you've been able to give us in implementing. But uh, what I want the goal of today's session is for those of you who are running a very informal meeting structure, maybe don't have all your, you know, 10-year, five-year, three-year, one-year quarterly uh, goals in writing. Uh, maybe things are just as not as organized and structured uh, as you'd like to see. I want to turn you on to some of the tools that Traction, the book teaches, EOS is, you know, teaching through, you know, Gene as an implementer. And who it's a good fit for, who it's not a good fit for, et cetera. So that's kind of the goal of today's podcast. Yeah, and I appreciate the opportunity because a lot of the things that you shared are things that you know I share with every single person that reaches out to me. Um, you know, first and foremost is that we're a help first community. As an EOS implementer, our job is just to help anybody we possibly can. So anybody who's feeling one of the five frustrations, right, where they feel like they've maybe lost a little control of their business, where the profitability isn't where it needs to be. Um, they've got people issues, right? They just don't know whether they have all the right people in the organization. Maybe they've hit the ceiling. They're growing and all of a sudden it's just stopped, either at a department level, an individual level, or at the company level, or they feel like nothing's working. That just that, fe that feeling of being stuck as a business owner, believe me, as a, as a, a serial entrepreneur, uh, what I call a recovering entrepreneur, I've felt them all. And um, you know, when those people reach out to us, the first thing I want to do is help in any way I possibly can 
And so, you know, when you talk about EOS, just really quickly, set the baseline. The thing people love about EOS is it boils down to it's just a simple set of practical tools. These tools have been around for 100 years. They're going to be around for 1,000 more. These tools have always been here, measuring results, being clear about expectations, structuring the organization. These are new concepts. What Gina Wickman did was so wonderful is that he created an operating system around them so it doesn't die in the vine. And it's the operating system and the use of the simple tools and the commitment of the leadership team that makes all of it work. Now, I'd love to take claim for it, but reality is, you know, I'm just there to facilitate teaching coach. I don't consult or advise, as you know, Jason, I've never once tried to tell somebody how to run their business. Quite frankly, when it comes to other people's business, I'm the dumbest person in the room. But in the context of the tools that I teach, all of a sudden we start to shine lights in all the dark corners of the business. Now their issues just seem to pop up. They've always been there. We didn't create them. Now we have to deal with them, but the good news is we have the tools to work with that help us strengthen the six key components of business and solve it all at the root cause. You know, uh, Gene, I know we throw all around lingo and sometimes it, uh, people don't understand. And what I do want to clarify is when we say operating system, we are not talking about a software or technology system. No. What we're talking about is a set of tools and structure of how you go about strategically running your business and your team. 100%. Um, so technology is the last thing. In fact, less is more. You heard me say, you know, three to seven, less is more. Keep it uh, simple. Uh, keep it uh, stupid simple, as they say. And, and that is exactly right. The operating system is the rhythm and the continuing of the use of the tools that really turns into a repeatable, sustainable, and scalable model. It is not about technology. It's only recently because of COVID and the virtual world that we've started to create online formats to present these things. But short of that, it's just simple manual tools that give you great results when you use them right. So Gene, let's talk about, so the people that are listening, primarily the advisor in, in the size of their team mm -hmm. are people that are in that uh, realm of, you know, they're making, you know, most of our advisors are at that $500,000 plus range. And so, you know, the bulk of the advisors working with us are in the 500,000 to, I think a couple of our larger offices, eight and a half million, mm -hmm. right, um, of revenue. And, you know, those teams usually are made up of, on the smaller end, you know, a $500,000 practice is maybe an advisor and two support team members. Um, sometimes they may even have like a, uh, you know, an associate or junior advisor that's working with them. But you're talking about, you know, in some cases, even just one an advisor and one support team member. So maybe they have two support team members. Maybe they have an associate advisor. You know, so there's a segment that are in that camp of that size of organization. Then you got everything in between all the way up to, you know, 30, you know, person teams, you know, that are affiliated with us. But who, you know, in, in your experience, Gene, you know, at what thresholds are you reading the book Traction and self-implementing, and what are some of the tools for the smaller group that maybe, or even if they are a larger group that aren't ready to like hire an implementer and just want to start self-implementing, what would that look like? And then we'll talk about some of the, you know, at what thresholds you probably want to bring an implementer. Yeah, uh, well, so something there you said that's key 
most of the advisor groups start out with a solopreneur and the support team, right? And the problem that we all face as entrepreneurs with startups is we have to create extensions of ourselves and we have to duplicate ourselves. And I'm not sure that any of us knew what magic we used to get us to be successful. So trying to capture that in a bottle, to try to bring up the next great you while you continue to be a great version of yourself is very difficult and hard to do. And what we have to understand is that if we can't create extensions of ourselves, if we can't delegate, we're going to hit the ceiling. And we talk about the five leadership abilities to simplify, delegate, predict, systemize, and structure. Those are the five keys to breaking through that hitting the ceiling moment, because otherwise they're going to get to that half million to a million dollar mark, and they're going to stay there for a very long time. Some even roll back from there because they just can't figure it out. So um, the thing that I will tell you, the, the first thing I want to tell you is I don't care if you're self-implementing or not, find an implementer. I didn't say hire an implementer. We're all help first. So my, my point there is if any self-implementer calls me, the first question I will ask them is, how can I help you? We do this thing called the 90-minute meeting. The 90-minute meeting is where we put EOS on display. And for self-implementers, they just don't know what they don't know. There are gaps. And when we do this 90-minute meeting, essentially we're helping them to discover is, where are the gaps? What can they do better? And every implementer in the collaborative community is willing to work, to work with you, sit with you, and share with you what the EOS model looks like and what the tools are, so you can identify whether or not you can do it yourself or you need help. Self-implementation is something we support, so I, I hope nobody out there thinks that we want to sell anything to anybody. I want the world to know about EOS. Whether you choose to self-implement or work with an implementer, I just want you using EOS. With that being said, I will share with you that you don't know what you don't know, which means that you're gonna use some of the tools because they're convenient and they're impactful, but you may not use others. And when you misuse or don't use one tool, you can have a negative impact on five other tools in the system. So just be careful. And this is why I suggest reach out to an implementer and say, hey, I think I'm missing a piece here that just doesn't seem to work together. We'll help you out. We'll share our experience and try to help you get that back on track because worst thing in the world can happen is somebody self-implements EOS, it's not successful, and then they blame EOS. We don't want that to happen. And we don't want that to happen to anybody. From there, you had asked the question, so you know, when's the time to engage an implementer or move on? What I would say is if you feel stuck, but you are absolutely open-minded, respectful, appreciative, growth-oriented, frustrated, you want help, and you're willing to be open, honest, and vulnerable, give us a call. Because those are the people we can do the best work with. It's the ones who think they know it all and they're very protective of their secret sauce and organization that you just can't help these people because they don't know that they're doing anything wrong or they're not you know, getting the job done if they're the opposite. They're again, open-minded and they want help. Well, we can provide all the help that they want, even if it's not a full implementation. Yeah. One thing I'll share with you, Jason, I've done a number of, of what we call self-implementer workshops. So for the self-implementers, convinced that they can do it themselves, and I'm not saying you can't, you certainly can. They just wanna go through a day with an implementer to try to get all the tools dumped on them to take inventory of what they've done and what's missing. You can spend a day with an implementer without a full engagement and still get a self-implementer workshop completed. And that may be just what you need, you know, that kick in the pants, as we say, to get it right and get you back on track. That's cool. I did not even know that existed. I didn't know that was part of the model. Yeah. Again, it's all part of the help first. Whether I'm answering questions in a phone call, doing a 90-minute meeting, doing a self-implementer workshop, or engaging in an implementation, either way, whatever I can do to help, help first. That's great. The, uh, you know, I think the other thing to talk about too is, um, cause some, some have 
probably read the book E-Myth, right, Michael Gerber, or they've met, read the book The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni, or um, maybe they've read The Rockefeller Habits, right, by Vern Harnish. Um, and, and maybe there's some other programs I'm not <laughs> privy to out there. There are. <laughs> yeah, the EOS is another. What other ones off the top of your head are similar to these four? Well, you know, these uh, four are real similar. Yeah, those are those are the four that I run into all the time. But if you start getting into manufacturing, there's things like Lean and Six Sigma, and there's other systems mm -hmm. that are put in place there. So some of them start to get um, uh, purposeful within your industry, I'll say. Yeah. Uh, but those are the big four. And I'll share with you, um, my first two businesses that I built and sold, uh, sold my, my first company, a publicly held company, and we were listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Um, that was running on the Rockefeller habits. So my introduction to systems uh, was the Rockefeller Habits and the one-page plan, if you remember. Uh, I do, and we give a lot of credit to Vern Harnish because I was an EO member. I was in the Cleveland chapter of EO. I was on the board for a number of years. Um, Vern Harnish was a, uh, uh, how can I put this, a, a constant presence. He created the Entrepreneurs Organization, number one. And number two, he came to all of our events at our universities. And as you look around, just about every company that was in EO was running on the Rockefeller Habits. Um, it served us well, and a lot of the same concepts and ideas that all came from the books you mentioned were in that system, as are in the uh, entrepreneurial operating system. There are certainly some differences, but quite frankly, every one that you mentioned is a great system. I would tell you that there's no reason to believe that any one of those systems can't work if you're dedicated to using the tools purely in their systems. Yeah. Um, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. All I was going to mention, you had mentioned the books, and I want to pull it back to the books because Gino Wickman uh, read all the books that, that we read. Well, he created the system, of course, like everybody else who owned a business and was uh, you know, struggling with the business, struggling to grow the business beyond its uh, current limits. We all read the E-Myth. We all wanted to systemize the business and make it so simple that you could hire a monkey to do the job, right, as, uh, as uh, Michael Gerber had put. We all read the Patrick Lencioni series. What Patrick Lencioni does is brilliant. He teaches in the negative because he knows the mind learns better in the negative and he does it in a story format. So you don't, he doesn't tell you what to do. He creates context and you grab that context and you make it your own. Yeah. And we teach specifically the five dysfunctions of a team in our annual events. So you understand the Patrick Lencioni's pyramid and how foundational vulnerability-based cost is so critical. So all the books that you mentioned, it's quite frankly where all of this comes from. Gina yeah. Wickman invented an incredibly, incredibly simple and powerful system all around the concepts, many of which you'll find in the books you mentioned. I mean, and I'd like to share even, you know, when I think about my own entrepreneurial journey, right? So now you're going back, you know, 15, 16 years ago, when I'm 29 years old, cranking out 600 grand a year in income, mainly first year commissions, right? From the insurance side and have a part-time assistant, right? Just doing some paperwork. And the, you know, the first thing I did is I joined Strategic Coach. And because Strategic Coach did give me the framework to understand when I was that like solar, solo entrepreneur with just some support of yeah. like, what's my unique ability? And who are the unique ability team members that I need to build around me? And how do I make sure I build or plug into a proven process so I can make it duplicatable, scalable, repeatable, and hire the backstage people to support me in the front stage. You know, it was all these kind of things that I was learning 
to go from being very small into like starting to, to add team members. But I still remember, and, you know, again, going back 15, 16 years ago, at when I joined Strategic Coach, reading the book of Patrick Lencioni of uh, Getting Naked. And that book really helped me to understand consultative selling. And, it, and, and then it was really a focus on organizational health because I got, he's my favorite author, Patrick is. And so I got hooked on his whole series. I know you've read them all too, Gene. Yeah. And I learned so much about leading and managing people and what type of culture that I wanted to build from the very early on foundationally. And then it was like plugging into EMIT. I was, I remember the consultant was like, you're way too small for EMIT. Like, like he was basically like, this is over your head. And I'm like, I don't care. I'm doing it. And I felt like EMIT taught me a lot of business concepts, philosophies, fundamentals that prepared me to continue to advance on to where now EOS is like the perfect structure, you know, at my size of a business, right? Both of my business at, sorry, one of my kids breaking into the room right now. I think. <laughs> but both of, of my business at JL Smith Group, which, you know, that's, you're talking about, a, you know, a nine, 10 person team over there. Um, yep. and, and as well as C2P, a 55 person, you know, W2 team over there. Um, but EOS is like, so going back to that conversation, Gene, like I was just trying to give some insight to those listening, you know, what's your opinion? Uh, I know you said, in, you know, engage with an implementer regardless, but what's the ideal? It sounds like if you're small, but you want to implement some of these tools that you read about in the book Traction or you listen to the audiobook, mm -hmm. which I would highly recommend both. Um, you can hire an implementer for a one-off to plug in some of these tools, not the full structure of like, you know, the whole program. Yep. Is that kind of what you've recommended? It, it, yeah. it does. So, so the first thing I would tell you, even if you're a solopreneur with one or two support people on your team, reading the book Traction just gives you a framework to reference, right? It gives you the, the context of what's going on in your business because what we're saying basically is regardless of what industry you're in or the size of your business, there's six key components to every business, right? And when you really think about it, we've got to be strong in all six key components, whether you've got three employees or you've got 300 employees, it doesn't change the model. And that's really the brilliance of what Gina Wickman did when he said, let's simplify any business into six key components and develop simple tools that when you use them correctly, they will strengthen those components to the point where you look around the organization, you're strong in all six key components. And the whole business is running better. You're getting more and working less is essentially what ends up happening. Now, with that, I will tell you, anything you read, if I were to give any advice to a young up-and-coming entrepreneur, it's read as much as you can. I just read a great quote this morning. Um, uh, and boy, I, I wish I could uh, tell you exactly what that quote was. But it basically, uh, before we end, I will have it for you. But the bottom line is that if you don't read books, then you have no advantage over the people who can't read. I mean, just think about that statement for a second, right? So the idea of reading those books, it creates context. And it's in the context of those books, any of the great ones you mentioned, that you start to look around, you start to recognize things. And maybe that's the drive to make a difference, make a change, and take your business to the next level. 
Um, reading traction, even if your business is small, you have one or two or three people, no harm comes from this because it's about the future. It's about predicting and picturing what this organization could look like and the path and the road to get there. And that's what that would do. Now, the other thing I want to point out, Dan Sullivan and Strategic Coach are, are so tightly aligned with what we're doing with EOS. They are two completely separate operating systems. We don't try to steal any of their intellectual property and they don't try to steal ours. But Dan Sullivan even uh, made this comment when he did our, our uh, annual uh, at the Collaborative Community a couple of years ago. He said, the strategic coach is the operating system for the entrepreneur. You embrace strategic coach right at the time when you needed strategic coach, right? Because it's about your performance, your focus, your problem solving as the entrepreneur. And then EOS is the operating system for the entrepreneurial team. And you can just think about how those two run hand in hand with each other. Because in many cases, you don't just have a single entrepreneur on the team. We have an entrepreneurial mindset on the leadership team with a structure and a set of tools that help take them to the next level. The other thing I wanna share with you, Jason, this is really important. So you asked me a little earlier, like the difference maybe between those, and I shared that I would never tell anybody that one system is better than the other. It's just not true. Any one of those systems will bring you great results if you commit to them, as I mentioned before. But the one thing about EOS, it's the only system that I know of. And it's the reason why after all my years of being an entrepreneur and growing companies and selling businesses, that I came here to help other entrepreneurs because it's holistic. And I know you're big and all of the people that are in your, your uh, clubs, right? And your, your associations, they're all holistic advisors. So you can't just treat the head. Right. You must treat the entire body. And EOS treats the entire body, six key components of the business, not any one component, but all six. And more importantly, it's the only system in the world, our differentiator is that we work on three things called vision, traction, and healthy. Vision is let's get on the same page with where we're going with this business and how we're going to get there. Everybody in the organization, starting the leadership team, must share the same vision. Traction is discipline and accountability. It's organizational clarity. It's looking around and everybody's getting the job done really well. And then third, going right back to the, the, the wonderful uh, Patrick Lencioni series, it's team health. Because as goes the leadership team, so goes the rest of the organization. It's very rare that the leadership team in the beginning is on the same page with their vision for the organization. But once they are, and they're a united, cohesive, collaborative team, as Patrick Lancioni says in the five dysfunctions, it's the ultimate competitive advantage because it's both so powerful and so rare. So I want to bring all that together. Everything you mentioned, if I were to talk to anybody, I'd say, read them all. They're all going to provide context. But when you're ready to discipline yourself to implement a strategic operating system, EOS is probably the holistic operating system to treat the entire body. Yeah, I would agree to that. Um, you know, I think like when, when I look back, even I, I talked about Getting Naked, that book by uh, Lencioni on like really taking a consultative sales approach, even mm -hmm. though I love the, the title. People are like, what? What is that? <laughs> um, but so good. And, and I really built it into the bucket plan and even my financial planning process and how we teach it today, how we run it today. Um, but I remember a big game changer when I was still a very small, maybe just two or three team members and myself, maybe just at that point of bringing on one other advisor earlier in my career was death by meeting. Because that little book gave me the exact meeting structure I needed when I was that size. And then and, and what was great about it is it fed off of perfectly 
um, where I'm at today of EOS. There's a lot of similarities of what that little book teaches, yeah. you know, and, and what we're running on now with EOS. So if you're looking for like little quick fixes, you know, those are like nice little books, you mm -hmm. know, that you could plug into and start adding little things. Um, you know, the yeah, they create context, right? So you see what's going on. Jason, I'll share this quick story. I was in a meeting once and our best salesman, the leader of the sales uh, department in our business, walked through the door for one of our meetings. He closed the door and he said, let's get naked. And everybody looked at each other and they thought it was kind of weird because we hadn't read the book. We didn't know what he was referring to. He had just read it. And boy, when he brought that to the table, we all read the book and it changed everything for us because we could be open and honest about everything and anything. And we really started to talk about the root cause and the layers below the layers. And yeah. um, it was just an interesting moment. I'll never forget. He walked through the door and said, let's get naked. And I looked around the room and everybody just stopped talking. So <laughs> same, inter same uh, uh, interaction or uh, reaction that you said you had. Right. Right. Um, so uh, let's talk about too, Gene, is um, just so people are understanding, you know, I'd say the three top three to five core tools, components, I know there's six, you know, and maybe you should repeat those again. And then maybe, you know, what you hear from teams of like, what are the most powerful parts of the overall system that people have implemented you know, that, that have really been game changers for the business. Yeah. Um, so I will do exactly what you said and I'll share. I've got so many different experiences. I've worked with over 65 companies. I've done over 500 session days with clients, right? So I've seen a lot. And reality is every business is a snowflake. Some are strong in some areas, some are strong in others. Some have needs in other areas. And, and the whole idea of, of EOS is first, the fact that there are six key components to every business, the vision component, making sure first the leadership team is 100% on the same page with where we're going and how we're going to get there. But then ultimately sharing that vision with everybody in the organization. So we have a culture of inclusion. Everybody understands the role they play in helping achieve the vision. The people component is the right people in the right seats. And ultimately you have to have great people. Jason, you know that as, as much as anybody. It takes one person who's not a great person in the organization to really knock us off the rails. But we have to have a clear and objective definition of what the great people are. We need people who share our core values and we need an organizational structure. We call it an accountability chart where we've identified the structure of the organization and the roles for each seat in the organization so that we know that the people in those seats get that seat. They want that seat and they have the capacity to do great work in that seat. That's strengthening that people component. The data component is measuring and managing. What it means is that in the absence of clearly defined goals, we just get busy. I mean, think about that. If you don't know what winning or losing looks like, you just show up for work and work really hard, but you don't know what winning or losing looks like. And what we've always said is what gets measured gets done. And when performance is measured, performance improves. We create a scorecard that has five to 15 numbers on it that when you track them on a weekly basis, you know what the drivers of success are. You can use that tool to predict on track or off track and ultimately tell if the heartbeat of the business is weak or strong. Because when those most important numbers are owned by somebody and they report that they're on track every week, you know the organization's on track and you're developing a high level of accountability right down to the number for every member of that leadership team. That issues component, you know my great story there, if you don't get to the root cause, you're gonna keep treating the symptom. And that's when you see those issues popping up again and again and again. People who truly don't understand root cause analysis are just really good at kicking the can down the road or throwing a Band-Aid on things. And it's just compounding the effort. And what I tell people, those issues that go unsolved where we treat the symptoms, they're like dragging rusty anchors behind you. 
it just gets heavier and it slows us down. Well, we got to cut those chains by finding the root cause, solving it permanently for the long-term greater good of the organization at the root cause. Uh, then you got that process component. Every company has six to 10 things they must do right every time they engage in the process. We call that the, um, the uh, core processes in our business, right? There are six to 10 core processes in every business. And if we dumb them down, keep them simple, document them and make sure that they can and will be followed by all, two things happen. You stop managing process and you stop managing people. Think about your industry with compliance and regulation. We can't afford to make mistakes in certain areas. We can't afford to make trade execution mistakes. We can't afford to do things the wrong way. So if we can simplify the process, put it in writing, and then teach people a process in a way that they can follow the process every time, we can let go of the vine and give these people the autonomy they need to be successful, knowing that they're following the process. We don't have to manage the process or the people. And then last is that traction component. It's about breaking everything down into 90-day worlds. You're probably like me. I used to set up an annual plan. Most individuals, right, who are managing their own wealth or have wealth at all, they say, well, here's the goals for the year, but they lose focus about 90 days in. So where we do want you to have annualized goals, we also want you to break those down into 90-day worlds because we can only focus for about 90 days. Every 90 days, identifying the most important priorities in the business, knowing who's getting them done and making sure they ultimately do get done stacking up one great 90-day world after the next, because if you think about it, one great 90-day world followed by the next, followed by the next is traction. And that's why we call that the traction component, because we want to knock them down one great 90-day world at a time. Also, when there's the meeting pulse, so critically important to not be individuals, but to be a leadership team, we got to connect the circles. And that meeting rhythm is absolutely key. And it's a, a uh, we call it the perfect meeting agenda. The level 10 meeting agenda is the perfect meeting agenda. People don't realize they spend about eight to 12 hours every week in meetings. Jason, this is me knocking on your door saying you got a minute closing the door and burning up an hour of your time, an hour of my time. And in most cases, we don't really solve anything. We just discuss, discuss, discuss. I had one client tell me they'd rather drink bleach than go to a meeting. Well, they don't love their meetings. And what we teach people is by executing a simple and effective and efficient meeting agenda, you start to love your meetings and you also eliminate the need to have most of the other meetings that you're having every week. No more individual meetings, right? No more chasing each other down for information. We all know what's in that level 10 meeting. You show up, you efficiently do the great work. You spend most of that time removing obstacles and barriers by solving problems. You get out of that meeting. Everybody's clear on who's doing what and where we stand as a leadership team and as an organization. Gene, talk about that meeting agenda real quick. Just high level, what are the core components of it? Because it's yeah, pretty well, simple. Yeah, um, so it's interesting. The, it's a 90-minute meeting, as you know. The first five minutes of that meeting is just getting together in a room and doing what we call segue. So when you and I walk into a meeting, you've got problems outside of the room. I've got problems outside of the room. we got to get that out of our head and function well as a team. So what the segue does is it gets you talking in a positive manner around the table. So I'm sharing something positive, personal and professional, and I'm looking around at the team and they're listening. And they're doing the same thing and we're listening. All of a sudden, the outside world went away. And we're all focused and communicating in a positive way around the table. That's segue. That's the first five minutes of the meeting. After that, we go right to the scorecard. This is the moment of truth, right? Jason, you and your sales team are supposed to have uh, 15 fit calls last week and five face-to-face first-time appointments. we got to make sure that those things are getting done because if we do that every week, we know we're on track. This is the moment where we say, Jason, how'd you do? Did you do it? Did you do it? Did you do it? And we look at a 13-week scorecard and tell, are we on track or off track? Ultimately, looking for patterns and trends, good, bad, or otherwise, that might give us the ability to predict 
are we on track as a business? After the five minutes of scorecard, again, we don't discuss it, just if it's not right, if you miss the number, we'll send it down to the issues list and talk about it later on in the meeting. We just report our numbers, take that walk of fame, share the numbers that we hit, and drop down anything that needs to be discussed later. Third step then is we go right to the rock list. So every quarter we get together as a leadership team, we identify the three to seven most important priorities for the company. And in doing so, we're really saying that everything can't be important. If everything's a priority, we really don't have any priorities. Let's all agree on the three to seven most important priorities for the next 90 day world and who's getting them done. So this is the part of the meeting where we come together and say, all right, rock number one, Jason, you said you were going to get this done this quarter, on track or off track. It's just a little reminder that you made a commitment. It's also a reminder of what we said as a leadership team was a priority and the fact that we're keeping those priorities on track. Anything that's off track, we drop it down to the issues list. Then we go right to the uh, customer and employee headlines. People talk about systems for measuring customer and employee headlines. And they all start to reach for different ways to do this. Listen, there's a lot of great systems, but one of the easiest systems that are right there in front of us is just to capture the headlines and bring them to the leadership team every week. Now, we only spend five minutes on this because we read the headlines, not the article. But if everybody brings a handful of headlines, customer interactions, employee interactions to the room, by the time we share those headlines, we can look at each other and say, so what do you think? Are the customers happy? And are the employees happy? And that's quite frankly what running a business is all about. Then we go to the to-dos because last week when we solved some issues, nothing's really solved till somebody does something. So this is where we say a week ago, you said you were gonna do it. Even the little stuff matters. When it comes to integrity and trusting each other as a team, we need to know that the little things are getting done. Jason, did you do it? Jason, did you do it, right? And we go through that to-do list and all those people have to report done or not done. As long as we get 90% of those things done every week, certainly there'll be some obstacles that'll hold us back and other things happen. But if we're 90% of our to-dos done every week, we're functioning well and we're living up to the commitments, even the small commitments on this leadership team, establishing team trust. After the to-dos, then we go right into IDS. And that's the identify, discuss, and solve. We take that issues list, we rank three at a time. So pick the top three. Don't spend a lot of time prioritizing. Just say, if you think it's important, you need it solved, call it out. Number seven, number three, 17, pick the top three. And one at a time, we solve them at the root cause for the long-term greater good. The important part about that is we don't discuss, discuss, discuss. We identify the root cause, discuss and debate what the solve could be, and then agree to the solve, knocking them down. Uh, my record, and it just happened a couple of weeks ago, we solved 74 issues in an annual in under two hours. Now think about how we're doing. This leadership team is just so good at going to that list, saying what the problem is, asking each other what the root cause is, and then saying, what's the solve? When we start offering up solves, we're actually solving issues at the root cause, not discussing the symptoms and having long-winded conversations that produce you know, variable results. And so after we do that for about 60 minutes in that meeting with five minutes left to go, we conclude. And it concludes pretty easy. First thing is we uh, review the to-do list from the week past, right? So all right, who's doing what? We just solved a bunch of issues, but nothing's really solved until somebody does something. So what are the to-dos and are you committed to getting those to-dos done? Second thing we do is ask, are there any cascading messages? Cascading message ultimately is this. If we made a decision in this room and somebody out there needs to hear it, it doesn't mean everybody. Maybe it's a department. Maybe it is the entire organization. Maybe it's a vendor. We have to represent a united front. Who's telling them? What are you telling them? And what are you telling them? So that we're all on the same page. And when that message goes out, we're all on the same page and representing a united front. 
And the last thing is we rate the meeting. On a scale from one to 10, how did we do? Think about it this way. Every meeting has the potential to be a level 10 meeting. On a scale from one to 10, there's a lot of money sitting around that room. There's a lot of powerful people who could be doing other things. If they're in this room, we want every meeting to be very powerful, very efficient, very effective. So we rate the meeting. Ultimately, if it was a 10, we ran through a clean agenda, started on time, ended on time, we're great. But if it didn't, then we might not give it a 10, but we have to offer up why it wasn't a 10 for us. So next week we can make it better so that every meeting ultimately becomes a level 10 meeting. Awesome, Gene. That was, that was fantastic, yeah. I know people got a ton out of that. Um, I have a feeling they're gonna be re-listening to this podcast <laughs> over and over. Definitely getting the book traction. And the one thing I would say for those, you know, looking to implement this meeting structure and the mistake that I made multiple times throughout the years is we allowed the meeting to go over because those rankings of the top three things you have to solve, it's a natural process to put the things that are, are not time sensitive and most important at the end. So just go ahead and wrap up with five minutes left, conclude the meeting, end on time, because that's where you start losing people. When you go over, when you make people late, they start hating everything. <laughs> Their job, they hate you, they, they think the meeting sucks, people are droning on. But as long as you end on time and conclude, then you keep that good rhythm and pulse and momentum going forward. Same people, same day, same agenda, starts on time, ends on time. Really, that's all it takes to make sure that you have a really effective meeting. And I would agree with you. The other thing that I'll share with you in that regard, Jason, is simply this. Um, if any of the listeners out there play golf, sometimes you'll hit your golf ball and the tee will go flying 15 yards. Most people won't go and pick up that tee. And the reason is because there's an unlimited supply of tees. So if we're in a level 10 meeting and we can just push it out farther and farther, we'll just keep solving you're more likely to not be efficient and be effective because there's an unlimited amount of time. But when you know you've got to get it in in 90 minutes and you have 60 minutes of that time to solve problems, you tend to be more focused and more effective because time will run out. When you think you have an unlimited supply, we just get a little sloppy. So same thing there, right? You're much more effective in the 90 minute structure, starts on time, ends on time, you'll do great work. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Gene, as always, chock full of good uh, ideas, wisdom, insights, everything else. And uh, if anybody wants to, um, as Gene mentioned before, he'll do a 90-minute meeting. Are you charging for those yet, Gene? No, those are absolutely free. Absolutely free. That's my gift to anybody who's interested in learning more about EOS. Because I learned so much from those 90-minute meetings because I went through a JL Smith group. I went through the C2P. I think we went through it twice for both company because I had to get everybody on board. So I uh, sat through it and learned something new every time. So highly you know, recommend you know, utilize that structure. Um, Gene, if they want to learn, how do they reach out to you? Well, a couple of ways. You can go to my website, which is www.grow-smart.com. You'll gather all kinds of information there. There's helpful links to learn more about EOS. And of course, all my contact information is there. Or just send an email to groberts at grow-smart.com. And please understand, Jason, if they know you, reach out to you. You've got all my personal contact information. I'm never more than an email, a text, or a phone call away. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Gene. And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll catch you on the next podcast. Truly grateful for the opportunity, Jason. Thank you. 
The Rainmaker Multiplier on-demand series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.